the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. And this week is so exciting because I have the man, the myth, the legend on today's episode, Rod Essig. He is one of the powerhouse players at CAA, which is a huge booking agency, one of the biggest in the world. And booking agencies book acts at shows. So that is how all these artists show up at all these shows because an agent books them and does so much more than just that. But he has worked with everyone from Tim McGraw, Sonny and Cher, Martina McBride, Julianne Huff, Taylor Swift, the list goes on and on. And he's hysterical and amazing. And you're about to get all the inside scoop on what really happens. So welcome Rod Essig, everybody. Okay. Hi, Rod Essig. Well, hello. How are you doing? I've been told to lower my voice. So I'm trying to speak in a more... You want to sit on the floor? Interview. Just one. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is lovely. We're sitting in your beautiful office. Rod Essig, by the way, he is the badass, like, team captain of CAA. That's right. What is your official title? I am department head of the Nashville office. Could you explain to me what CAA is? CAA is the largest um, motion picture, television, music, and sports agency in the world. And you are the division head of Nashville. Of Nashville. So that makes you quite a big deal. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. I think I just have to work harder than everybody else. That's all. That's a big title. Yeah. Okay. I want to know how you got started, but first I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Okay. okay? What song best describes your work ethic? Live like you are dying. Okay. Okay. Who's your celebrity free pass? Who is Sherry okay with? Because your wife's awesome. So this is all in respect to her because I love her. And who's her free pass? Uh, My free pass would probably be um, Keira Knightley. Oh, Sherry would approve? No. (laughs) I wouldn't ask her permission. I'll tell you a great story. There was one, this is way, way, way back when. And um, anyway, I went to LA and I represent Jeff. Jeff uh, Foxworthy at that time, and we had oh, you know there was fun. no there was no fight flights going in and out, so he had to go the night before for a nine o'clock meeting next next day. So anyway, uh, I'm sitting in uh, Brian Lord's office. Who's Brian Lord? And Brian Lord's one of the one of the original partners of CAA. Okay. And he said, "What are you doing tonight?" And I said, "I'm I'm not doing anything tonight. I had to come out here because I got a meeting in the morning." He said, "So you really you're free tonight?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm free." So anyway, which is very rare for you. Yes, very much. So in the meantime, so. And he said, so just stay here for 10 minutes. So I stayed there for 10 minutes. I said, what do you want? He said, I need you to go someplace tonight. So I went in the door, walks Demi Moore. Nice. And anyway, I was her date that night. You were Demi Moore's? I date. Thought was, I thought it was Demi. Dem, I don't know Demi Moore. But anyway, she was cute. That didn't matter. You were but her she date? was blonde, totally bald. Remember, it oh, was for G.I. Jane. Jane. And she, I, so anyway, I went with her to all the Hollywood stuff that night. She never left my arm. And I always have a rule, and I get back to the hotel room no matter what time it is I call my wife. We got back about 4.30, quarter to 5, L.A. time, which is about a quarter to 7, 
Nashville time. So that's like the morning. Right. And so Sherry said, she said, you know, this is really late. And I said, well, it's really early. But she said, all night long, you've been out with Demi Moore. And I said, <laughs> I said, Sherry, if anything would happen, if I got that lucky, I'd tell you about it. We go to counseling for the rest of our lives. <laughs> So, I mean, come on. That's what it is. <laughs> Sherry, your wife is pretty awesome. Yes, she is. She's totally awesome. Is she, like, let you be you? She just said, if I don't come home, it'll cost me a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm a real Capricorn. I don't want to share anything. <laughs> okay? All right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. If your house is on fire and you can only grab three things before leaving, what would they be and why? And they can't be your family members uh, or your pets. I'd grab the pictures. Uh, and I grab, well, obviously a little safe in the, in the house because that's got stuff, jewelry and stuff in it. And I'd get on my motorcycle and leave. <laughs> you have to take your motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. You love Harleys. I love Harleys. And you're a big part of Sturgis. Is that what it is? Well, I've, I'm very involved in booking a lot of Sturgis, and I go there every year. Is that how you got into Harleys? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, to be very honest, the first my first Harley was given to me by Tim McGraw. We had a we had a very successful run of dates and, and he knows he he's a rider too. He knew I loved Harleys. Mm -hmm. So he bought a Harley and threw the keys at me and said, Okay, here's your Harley. So Have a good a, time. That was a very successful run. Right. If that's your thank you present. Of course it was the cheapest Harley that he had at the time, but uh, it was a sports surf. But, but you know, he could have bought me a Road King or something big, but he didn't, you know. So are you and Tim besties? <laughs> yeah. I'd say we are. Who are yeah. your best celebrity friends? Um, Tim McGraw, Leanne Rimes, uh, Julian Huff. Oh, she's having a big year. Yes, we're having a big, big, big year. I just got a, a text from her from doing such a great job. I congratulated her on Sunday night. Oh, because it was like the biggest musical mm -hmm. on oh. TV since um, I forgot since what? They well, this was this was was Greece, and they what they do? Peter Pan? They're, I think it was Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. She's yeah. the perfect Sandy. She's. Did you she go to that gig? Our LA office did. Yeah, I knew all about it. She's got. A, she has a lot of stuff going, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, her her career will guide her to some way. Just take over Broadway, like yeah. Christian Chenoweth. I mean, she's just a. She's that dancer. She's that singer. You know, all that stuff. So yeah, she's got all that going. But she's still working on a lot of uh, motion picture stuff right now. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So Julian Huff. Mm -hmm. Who else are your besties? Um. I say probably then you got in there Martina McBride yeah. is a real she was over here this morning she's a real good friend and then probably my bestie motion picture friend is Reese Witherspoon she's what? been she's been a, she's been my date for probably You're friends with 10, Elle Woods yeah no way yeah what's she like in real life like you are just totally fun and Stop and it. cute and gorgeous and I'll keep and, going yeah she's just or fun. twins are you calling me twins of threes yeah you could be you know. <laughs> But she's so awesome, and she has that production company, and she's doing all of those amazing movies that are highlighting women as leads. And she's, she's gonna a woman move empowerment. Here. She's going to move back to Nashville, which really? is great. Yeah. She started her store, her mm -hmm. clothing store. And her sprinkles. Have you had sprinkles cupcakes? That's her. She has a sprinkle store? Right next to it. Sprinkles cupcakes. Dang. And she's yeah. a mom. And, I love women like that. They and her all. husband is a very, agent. very, very successful agent at CAA, Jim Toth. Oh, love she's it. got these little people like Matthew McConaughey and things like that. Oh my gosh! Do you know Matthew? <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, Tim McGraw is doing Matthew McConaughey's uh, benefit this year, June fourth. That's awesome. In New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. Have you ever been arrested? Uh, for real? No. 
okay, for, for fun. Fake? Where, I, where, I, where I used to grow up, there was a number of us that got in trouble a lot of times. So we would get, they would arrest us basically the night of, of October 30 and hold us in jail for 31. So we would wreck stuff. So you actually have spent a night in jail? Oh, yes. How was that? Horrible. Did you get hit on? In jail? No. <laughs> well, you're so cute. <laughs> Thank you. But no, I did not. No, I did not. Okay. And last, rapid fire. If you were going to be in the circus, what would you do? That I I would probably be an animal tamer. Because that's basically what you do in real life. Yes, it's true. Okay. It's yeah. basically what your real job description is. I'm really a fireman. I put a fire hat on every day and put out fires all day long. Who gives you the biggest fires to put out? You know something? It's, it varies. It's certain times. Mm -hmm. Certain tours could be really hard. Other tours are very easy. Um, you know, there's some. I, I'm doing. I'm doing the one uh, right now with Cheap Trick, Joan Jett, and Hart. Awesome. And I'm the direct agent to Hart and Joan Jett. And as a rule, as an agent, you should never put two of your acts on a show together because when you go see them, they both want your time. Oh, okay. And so they're always playing you against each other. So this one's been, every day is one more. They're not big problems. They're just little things. And then, so you have to put that fire out a little bit. So, but so the tours, the overall tour is selling incredible. So now a, a lot of the, a lot of the part, uh, a lot of the problems are gone because the ticket sales are so good. So nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. So are you in the middle of a lot of cat fights? Yes. Usually females? Is it artists? Is it agents? Is it who do you fight no, with I would, the most? No, it would be everybody. Artists, agents. Okay. Because here, we do so much conflict of interest. So you, even if you have the project in CAA, everybody is fighting for their own client. And they're fighting really hard. So we compete to get that second or third slot in front of a Tim McGraw or Keith Urban or something like that. So we really compete with each other calling the managers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, as far as if you put the two artists together, mm -hmm. there's never a problem. Right. It's only a problem when they're not sitting in the same room. Because then they go through you. Yes. The middleman always is the problem. And then, you, and, and then you assume it's a bigger problem than it really is. Right. You know, so I like to have people sit down face to face and talk to each other because yeah. that problem is gone. Then it's not who sit or we sit or what. What happened? So smart, Rod. So tell me, walk me through a typical day in the life of Rod Essig, because I don't know if many people know what an agent is and how big of a role this plays in a career for an artist. Like, what is your typical day and week looking like? Well, my normal day is about between five and six hundred emails. You read them all? Yes, you have to. Wow. And then, uh, then normally. I've Usually sent you like four emails in a day before just for fun. So I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> and then and then normally, I mean, in today's world, normally I have a 120 to 150 phone calls. So some of them are just, yeah, no, it's okay, that kind of stuff. But you get into a lot of stuff. We still sell. So an agent is to go out and obtain work for your client. That's, that's your basic job. Work being gigs or you know being shows or opportunities on television or motion pictures or endorsements or sponsorships or all that kind of stuff so you oversee all of that you oversee all that you're really the hub and then you also are the hub of that manager of the record company of the publicist because you're the one i always figure when i book a day on tim mcgraw there's probably a thousand people that go to work 
from wow. ticket takers to security to, you know, think of all the ushers and all that stuff, bus drivers and, mm -hmm. you know, hotel. I mean, you, you're going to go into hotels. So because of that one date, there's a thousand people that work. So you have to get it right. So it's got to be totally right. And you have to take it very serious. And, and you can only go when you route, you can only go 350 miles a night because they have to load in, load out set up and all that stuff and then you have to really watch who else is in the marketplace because you can't be kenny chesney and tim mcgraw in the same city at the same time because wow. there's only so many people that have money to buy tickets have you ever messed up yes what happens when that happens uh it affects the ticket sales <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have a big problem oh yeah yeah so i mean yeah but that's i mean and you sit in a lot of meetings and plan this out i mean right now i'm meeting with gil cunningham uh who's a a big producer of festivals he wants to talk about 2017 really he's already done with 16 he, 16's all done it's booked it's on sale everything okay so he wants to know who we can do in 17 i said gil everybody's open i mean I've, i haven't thought about 17 i'm we're just going into february so is it kind of like a puzzle piece like putting together acts totally. and it's, say you get an offer for one act but they're kind of large and mm -hmm. they don't want to do it will you go to a smaller act after that oh yeah or you have to make sure your basic, uh, your, your your basic instinct is to make sure that everything sells. Okay. So we're in the business. We compete hard with other agencies, but we work very closely with other agencies because the bottom line, we have to sell tickets. If we don't sell tickets, yeah, nothing happens. That's a good distinction. So you're competing yes. hard, but you also need them to be successful. You want to put together the greatest package. So how do you walk that line? I don't know. I've done it for forty years. It just because like do. you kind of like hate them in a way, but you also like love yes, them. Yes, but you have to talk to them because yeah. you need, and they need you. So just it's it's a give and take on both sides. They they want your hot act to be on their shows. Interesting. Yeah. So you so you can't you cannot as an agent you cannot sell or be responsible for anybody's festival or anything everything. You you just don't have the right acts. If you do them one year, they don't want to repeat them the next year. So you just you just tell them, I'm, I mean, we have dates that I just tell people, I don't have anything to sell you. Yeah. I mean, that's going to sell you tickets. So, But the only time an artist really gets really mad at you is if they look out and see empty seats. And then they're pissed. Yeah. And, and a big artist, an extra fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 means nothing if there's a big hole in the middle that don't have, doesn't have anybody sitting in it. Have you gotten yelled at by an artist before? Yes. Anyone in particular? No, just a number of them. Oh man! You know when you're responsible for artist income, and remember today in today's world, it's probably eighty five percent to ninety percent is what they do on the road, and that's what we do. You know, before these they used to have fifty percent was was record income and publishing and all that. Well, now, I mean, there was I was telling somebody the other day, I went two years of Leanne Rimes' first album, two years every week. She never sold under 100,000 units. Really? So to this day, Leanne Rimes has sold 46 million records. Okay? She has sold 46 Worldwide million records? Records. Now, wow. Taylor Swift will never, ever even do that. Because this record sales are so different Record now? sales, it's all streaming and all that. In those days, you had to buy the album to get the single. It's kind of sad that that's gone. Well, and that's where the record companies made a lot of their money. I mean, mm -hmm. and... At that point, her records her, her records were like seventeen ninety five or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now there you don't have a record over ten dollars. No. And so figured the the profit and so anyway, but for we went almost a little over two years that she sold at least a hundred thousand units a week. 
consistently. That is, I remember After the Blue Leanne Rimes phase. That yeah. was everything. I wanted to be a singer because of her <laughs> and Blue. A lot of people. Yeah. Taylor Swift is the same thing. Yeah. Because of, because of Leanne. That's why I'm in the music business. Okay, so how did you get in the music business? Like, how did you even know what an agent was to okay. even dream this up? The real, in, in way back when I was in college, the colleges had the biggest bu- budgets to buy entertainment. Okay. So everybody had a student activities fund or whatever. So I used to buy talent at my college. In I was went to school in, in Lamar's Iowa, so I used to buy talent and hit John Denver and Johnny Cash and all those things in those days. How but did you the become meantime, the talent buyer at your college? You that was a big position that you had to work to okay. get. At. You had to serve on a committee when you're a junior. When you're a senior, you could become and you had money at that point. Now remember, there was no you couldn't buy films at that time. So the only entertainment they got was touring artists. So okay. you had money. There's, I mean. American University probably had three or four hundred thousand dollars to spend on artists. So you saw this and you I thought that, that would well, be a no. fun so job. Then I, so I, then I went and I in that day you don't even remember because you weren't born, but <laughs> there was a draft and I got drafted and went to Vietnam. And you came went to back. Vietnam. Hmm? So we then talk I came. About that. No, we don't talk about that. Okay. So then, so we came. I came back and I called this guy Gordy Singer that I used to buy all my talent from. And he said, do you think you want to be an agent? He gave me a phone. And now understand, in that day, it was a dial phone. Okay? And so within six months, I signed this guy named Jim Croce. Okay. And Because, again, we are the largest college agency in America. So then I went from a live there to a Livy Newton-John, Mac Davis, Helen Reddy, the fifth dimension. I just kept signing things. So within, within the five-year period, I ended up owning half the agency that I went to work for. And then I was with that agency for 20 years, and then I moved everybody to California, and we had to write out Chili Peppers, Motorhead, all these big metal bands. And then CA came to me and said, would you ever come to work over here? And at that point, they didn't have anybody that did fairs, festivals, privates. They just did, they had 12 promoters, and that's all they sold to. And so I literally went over there, and the second day I was there, my very best friend in life was a guy named Bobby Brooks. And Bobby got me to come to CAA, and the next day, he died in the helicopter with Stevie Ray Vaughan. No. In Wisconsin, yeah. So I worked in L.A. for a while, for in a year. And then Rob says, well, John Huey and Ron Baird, we're going to open up Nashville. And those are the fa- founders, the founders in L.A.? Right. They were the founders here. Okay. John and, and Ron. So then uh, I came here, and the three of us now, we started with three agents and five acts. Who and were now, your first five acts? Uh, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, uh, Billy Dean, Clint Black. And I'm trying to think one more. Uh, Randy Travis. Nice. So then it just, I got into town and I kept being able to sign people that were in house. When I say in house, because CA had motion pictures and television. So I signed Reba McIntyre and I signed um, Trisha Year and all these people oh, because man. of that reason. They wanted to be in television. They didn't want to just be a touring act. Barbara Mandrell is another one. So anyway, that's kind of how it all came. And now we've got. 122 people here, and we, uh, and we've got probably uh, 110 acts, of which you know, so it's just grown out of here into a, a very large company now. So, did you go to this college because you wanted to get involved no. in this program, or no. was that just an accident? I had a music education degree, and in those days, I want my mother wanted me to be a teacher. <laughs> so you don't have music in your family; like you're the first. No, I'm the first. Yeah, and. It was just sort of a coincidence. Yeah, but in the mean, in the week, perfect storm. From when I when I literally uh, ended up um, when 
my number was 31 in the draft, so nobody would hire anybody. And that year they were taking up to 120 people, so you'd have to go and apply for a job, and they'd say, what's your draft number? Say 31, well, then they wouldn't hire you because you're going to get drafted. So I went and sang that summer with Sonny you and Cher. Sang. You sang with Sonny and Cher? Yeah. No one knows because <laughs> you're such an amazing agent and you are such a powerhouse. No. But I have heard you sing. You sang a duet with your daughter, Frank, Sinatra, Frank mm -hmm. Sinatra duet. You were a singer. Mm -hmm. So what was it like being on the road with Sonny and Cher? Well, they were, at that time, I mean, again, it's very different because all they did was play the Playboy Club circuit. So you hated so, it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, <laughs> it was a, the best time of my life. So you played for Playmates? Yes. That's mm -hmm. who you performed for? I performed for Playmates. And, did and they wear clothes? Uh, they wore the bunny outfits. Where is the, what is the Playboy circuit? In the circuit? early part of the evening. After that, you never know. But <laughs> so did you do a lot of time at the Playboy Mansion? I did. I did mainly Racine, Wisconsin, uh, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, and then we played the Playboy Mansion. But Sonny and Cher were just starting at that time. What does the Playboy circuit mean? What is that? I've never heard of that. There used to be a lot of Playboy clubs on the top of hotels. So oh. like yeah, so they were all over America. New York, Chicago, oh, Atlanta, gosh. and they were always on the top floor of a hotel. Torture, Rod. I know. It's just horrible. This is just horrible for you. As you know? a young guy starting out singing with Sonny and Cher, the Playboy circuit. I mean, this mm -hmm. is the start of your... And then I got drafted. So my hair was down to here. I'm telling you, the, I got showed up at Fort Leonard Wood, walked in. I'm you, it took 30 seconds to cut your hair off. Done. Was that sad? It was very sad. Because you have great hair. It was very sad. So that, and then, you know, and then tell, having people tell you what to do, I'm not, I'm not that guy. No, you're the one that tells people what to do. <laughs> so, you know, the, I remember one time I, the, the sergeant said, we were just standing there, he said, okay, who has a college education? And I raised my hand. The dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. Don't ever do that in the Army. Raise your hand. Why? Because we cleaned floors for the next three days because we had a college education. You were punished for it? Oh, yeah. Why? You think you're smart than everybody else? Da, da, da. Oh, I'll show you, you little college kids, what's going on. Oh, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. How long did you serve? How long were you overseas? Uh, you, now, this is the 1972 and 73. So normally you were in for 24 months. I got out in 14 months because the war was, was getting over in 73, 74. So everybody's coming home. So I was only over there for two months. That's good. Yeah. So why did you not? pick up singing when you got back why did you you know go the other side because i've i i don't want to starve to sing i i'm a i made a lot of when i was a student teacher i made a decision uh you how much teach? music what? music okay now there was there was this great senior that good-looking senior that i went okay so you're totally motivated done, by women yes I, well <laughs> most of my clients are women so in the meantime i, I think women are gorgeous but in the meantime so i at that point, I student taught in Rock Rapids, Iowa. So just you can picture that in your mind, you know. And so in the meantime, I had long hair. You couldn't have a drink in town. Oh no! You were so I just said from this point on, no one will ever tell me how, how much money I can make, what I have to look like, and who I can date, ever. And you stuck by that. And I stuck by that. And here you are. Mm -hmm. What was the first sold-out show that you ever booked? John Denver. Oh, John Denver. John Denver. Yep. How was that? Sold and out Ames, a, Iowa, which was about 12,000 seats. It was huge. It was how huge. did that make you feel? Oh, incredible. You know, and, uh, but again, everything in those days was so different. John Denver on that date got paid $20,000. The promoter really? made all the money. There was n no one knew anything about back ends, the percentages, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I still represent Sticks, and Sticks 
to this day, now they make 75 to 100 grand a night. They played the forum and sold out six forums. They got paid $25,000 per night. Really? In their heyday. But now remember, tickets were $5, $750, and $1250. So the grosses were not big. So it, it, it's, it's a very different world that we're in. When did now. that change? When did the ticket sales and how it's distributed change? Probably on the onset of computers. Okay, why was you, that? Because then your accountants would go on the road or you could equal send it in. And, and you know, and your, your managers just got a lot smarter. Yeah. I mean, you had managers that at that point now are just dealing with we got to make as much money as we can on the road. We got to gross our, our acts out as much money as we can, that kind of stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> so that was, when was the first time you had the feeling of, like, this is what I love? Like, I'm doing my passion. I will tell you, the first time I had that was Tim McGraw. Mm -hmm. When he shot up. Leanne Rhyme through the roof. There was no stopping these people. What does all. it feel like when you're on that rocket ship ride with it's them? It's just you nothing goes wrong it's just you can't nothing goes wrong the only thing is you have to really watch that your artist doesn't believe in all the hype you have to and just keep tricky. them as much as real as you can how do you do that because they'll have they'll they'll stub their toe you'll have a you'll have a show that just meh, doesn't do it and they go like i don't what happened what happened well you didn't do an interview and you didn't do this and you didn't do this and you didn't wait long enough to play the market after somebody else had played the market you okay. know, I mean, I've got one right now. Cam's going through the roof. I mean, she's she's blowing up. She's blowing up totally. You know, and Burning she house. and she called. That's a call in. What she called mean? and said, "Would you have would would you have a meeting with me?" Oh, she came to she you. She came to me. And she's a woman, which is hard right now for women, especially mm -hmm. in country music. So, is that a risky sign in the beginning? No, because you believed in her. First of all, back again. This is ten, twelve years ago, when at that point I had Leanne Rhymes, Reba McIntyre, Faith Hill. Trisha Yearwood, Martina McBride, Dolly Parton. Um, they were, and they were all happening. And you knew women could work. Totally. The very few have done what Reba has done or Dolly has done. You get, they, you, you go really fast because most guys want to have a female as an opening act just because they don't want anybody to compare with them. Really? Yeah. That's a thing. It's a very big thing. Yeah. Huh. We gotta have something for the guys to come to the show because the girls all come to see the guys. Right. So it's something that for their husbands at least to entice them to come to the show. So okay. that's that's but you can build that to a certain point of about ten or twelve thousand seats. To get from twelve to eighteen thousand like the Tims and the Lukes and everything, that takes a lot of you have to package properly. So you who's really, on tour is a big deal. Yes. Yes, big deal. Do you want someone who's going to sell a lot of tickets to go on tour with someone, or is it more like a cool factor, or what do you look for no, as an I, opening act? I'm totally into radio hits, radio hits, That's radio it. hits. Yeah. Radio hits is everything. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a um, Americana kind of guy that, you know, it's really hip to book this club with this act. You want to hit? Yeah. I like so. representing big stars and doing a lot within their framework of, of an artist. I like making, and it's fun growing them into a into a brand as opposed to just an artist yeah so that they have all these different things around them what do you like to how do you like to maneuver that like when you get the music cemented where do you like to go next with the brand is it dependent upon it the depends, client it, it depends like with taylor swift mm -hmm. taylor swift came in and she knew exactly who she was who was she she was first of all she she, she was a writer 
She was a singer. She was the first really, really, really um, digital person that was would go on and tell you where she's going, who she's seeing, what she's doing, every part of the day. So she was on she's her She's very computer. honest with her life. Like, mm-hmm. her life yeah. was exposed. Exposed. Mm-hmm. And, then she, and she, then she, like she said, she wrote really good songs. But the very first tour I put her on was George Strait because she was 16 years old. And if in country music, when you're 16 years old, you don't know anything. You're just right. dumb and you're cute and that's it. Right. So we had to make, make her a country star. So by being on George Strait and her wearing cowboy boots, says she's country. That was very strategic. Yeah. So the cowboy boots were strategic. Yes. And she wore those for probably the first three years of her. It was her thing, little dresses and cowboy boots. That's exactly right. And the same when she had the song Tim McGraw, I said to her and Tim, because I luckily had both of them, I said, you guys can never meet until we do this on national television. And oh, they that's didn't. smart. Well, they did. They, they're, and they were a time. Was it at an award show they met? Yeah, at the ACMs. She sang and walked down to Tim and Faith. I remember and sang Tim that. McGraw. That was a big moment. Yeah, so you so, set that up. Yes. That's because amazing. It, because it's real. Why should they lie? And it's a great story. And but I also remember when I told Tim McGraw that she was doing a song about him. He was going like, "Why would she do something about me? Why don't she sing about George Jones? <laughs> you know, I'm not an icon. Well, to her, you are. Yeah, because it's the age difference. You're, yeah, exactly. Which is kind of crazy. Right. So so that was a really fun fun moment. Do you have a lot of creativity like that where you can dream up wild ideas and make them happen? Yeah, but maybe only 10% will I ever do. What's some of the... Because <laughs> there's, some, there's some really crazy ones, you know. What's something you've dreamed up that's wild that's, that's happened that's been an amazing event? Um, I have to, man, I have to think back. It's been so long on how many people I've done. Um, I can't come up with one right now. Susan, who's a manager at Red Light, and we were actually talking about mm. you because you're amazing. Do you speak things into existence? Because you always are super positive, and you, like, it's just happening. It's always happening with you. Like, it's never not going to happen. But then it actually does happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that is a talent that not all people can actually materialize. I do a lot of that just because I've done this for so long. So I have so many friends in the business. I mean... You know, a lot of them are dying off now, but that's that's a bummer. But you know, again, in my in my world, every you talk to everybody; they're your friends. Yeah. In your world, you text and email. I tell all the time the emails or my assistants, call them, call them, get a relationship. Yeah. Find out about them because when when they need something to call you, when you need something, you can call them and get you just get it done. So that personal relationship, mm-hmm. do you think that's gone a long way? It's done a long time. I mean, I can actually say that, you know, on certain things, Jack Sussman will do this mm-hmm. at CBS. Because he's been a friend of mine for so many years. You can't give him something that's really a dud. Right. You have to give him something that's on fire. And you know him, and you yeah. know what he yeah. mm-hmm. gravitates towards. Right. That's interesting with speaking on the phone, because it is such a texting, I'm on digital. The phone. I'm on the phone 12 to 14 hours a day. But you day. actually want the human contact. I totally want to human contact. It makes a difference. It's harder to say no when you're talking on the phone. You've experienced half of it of getting shit done. Human relationship goes so much farther, I feel like. People want to help you when they know you, and you want to help someone when you know them. there's so many people that are touchy-feely. You just got to get to know them. Hi. No, but I mean, you'd have to get to know them. And and once they get to know you, they'll kill for you. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I always really work on that. I always try and put people together, whether it's artists, managers, Agents, whatever. I'm always trying to network people. I love networking people. 
I'm very good at networking. So how do you deal with radio? Because radio is such a separate beast than booking. Because you have all these great acts. There's a lot of great female acts in particular, too. Females are having a hard time in country music right now. A lot having to do with radio, not playing them. But How do we're you manage changing that? It How are you changing that? Because we're getting Kelsey Ballerini. We've got Cam happening. We've got Brooke Eden starting to happen. We've got a lot of stuff that's happening. You know, and a lot of that is is my friends, Carrie Wolf in Milwaukee. So there's a bunch of playmakers. So you're friends with radio. Yeah. Because, well, they all do. They all do sh- uh, radio shows, and they need artists. Yeah. So they buy a lot of stuff from from us directly, as opposed to a promoter putting them in there. And then they're also these guys on the air want to know that they have Taylor Swift, and I can call up, and I got Martina McBride calling in, and I got this calling in. So, some in some regards, as an agent, I'm much much more of a manager agent. Yeah. And sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad, but I'm really involved with my clients. And the managers, their managers all know that I'm really involved. Right. I think that's and important. I do too. But I have other friends of mine that are great agents. And until they tell their artist ask for something, they would never do anything. Mm-hmm. I like to be proactive. I like to keep bringing them stuff and keep bringing them because I think they work harder than. Yeah, because they know how hard <laughs> you're working. Right. And also, this it's an opportunity they haven't thought about, you know. Yeah. I mean, things, and or else Martina would talk about, she, she loves cooking. So said, she made a cookbook. Oh, that, so we went and we made a cookbook. Was that your idea? Yeah. So we went to. I called. She said it was her. I mean, it's her idea. Right. <clears throat> I was able to make it happen. Help manifest with it. Simon Green in New York City. Yeah. So you're like done. You want a cookbook? We're gonna make a cookbook. Well, she had to go. You had to go sell it. Right. You can't. Like I said, you can't sell duds. You have to. You have to have something behind it. But once Martina went and met the publishers, they were in. Yeah. And, and, in fact, I think they came down here and went to her house for dinner, and they were totally in. Because she cooked for them. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. Why do you think <clears throat> women haven't been a big presence lately? Why, they're coming back, but why do they have a lull? A lull. I, well, we just got into this whole bro country for so long. Oh, yeah. And it turned out to be just male-dominant. And, you know, and, again, there was a cutoff. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just had some of the people that were just getting older, and you didn't have the blow-away people that were younger. Yeah. And I think right now, some of the younger kids are just incredible artists. I think they're really, really good. And unless you're really great, you're not going to make it. That's true. And I think, I think Cam, Kelsey, I mean, all these people are not overnight success. Mm-hmm. They've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. They just happen to get the breaks right now. Who are you most excited about, this new batch of artists? Who are you most on fire for? Um, I'm really, really on, side, on fire for Brooke Eden. Brooke Eden. She's awesome. I think she's cute. She rides Harleys with me. But she the does? Bigger, the, yeah, she does. She's my, she's my Harley bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, I think she's also really good. Her voice is ridiculous. When you put it, again, if you can't deliver, yep. I can sell all day long. It won't happen. Right. And she's really good. So all of a sudden, all the artists are loving who she is. And you have to build the artist mm-hmm. network as much as you do the fan network. Yeah. Because then they all talk about you're you. You're so right. Yeah. Because it's a community. Mm-hmm. I feel like Nashville in general is a community. It's a total community. Yeah. And the writers are all, and there's people that are great writers and they're just not ready to be an artist yet. And That's there's people true. that are great writers that never become an artist. And they shouldn't be. They don't have the artist look. They don't have the, they don't, they don't have the work ethic. Being an artist is really hard. What kind of work ethic do you have to have? You got to just kill. It's 24-7. You have to be obsessed. You have to be obsessed. You get to bed at midnight. You're up at four in the morning. So you look great at 6 a.m. for being on the, stupid radio you have to look great because that if that guy in there sits there and go 
Yeah, she didn't look that good this morning. They won't play. It's, it's that like, simple, huh? It's that simple. It's very different. You have to be or if on. You're not, or if you're not funny enough. Or, you know, or what if you're not funny just naturally? You better figure out how to be funny. You're, well, then you should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't look good and you're not funny, you need to write. Just write great <laughs> hit songs, you know? Yeah, that's true. No, but that's, I mean, there's just so much to do <clears throat> in that world that we get people to come in here. And I, I have to say this, normally, if they're from The Voice or from uh, some, of, some of those TV shows, they've learned how to sing four songs. Yeah. I'll take anybody that's been playing in front of a, a crowd in a bar mm-hmm. and develop them any day before I'll just take someone that doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. That's so true. You know, and I just, I got cringe every time they come in. I go like, oh, you're like, oh gosh. Okay, here we go. You know. So you have seen a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of stuff. Some you might not be able to talk about. What is some of the wild, like, tell me a wild story that like people could not believe could really happen. Well, this, you don't even know who this guy is. Okay. Jerry Jeff Walker. No, I know who that is. Okay, he wrote Mr. Bojangles. Yeah. Well, Jerry had a majorly drinking problem in his early years, and I and I was his agent. And I remember going to a show, and anyway, the band's on stage, playing, playing, and we couldn't find Jerry. He was so drunk, he was in the audience waiting for himself to come on. <laughs> no. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So we put him on stage and took towels and wrapped around so he wouldn't keep hitting his head against it. Could he sing? Yeah. Well, Jerry Fine. Jeff never was a great singer. He was just... He, you know, but he's saying, Mr. but I, that's why I could write Mr. Bojangles too, you know? Yeah. So those kind of things, you know, just fun stuff like that. I also remember with, with, uh, with, um, Andre Agassi, I used to do all the entertainment you for did. Andre Agassi. Yeah. And Steffi, they're still friends. So anyone, one year I put Tim McGraw on that, on the evening and there used to be David Foster had a big orchestra and everything. Yeah. So that night there was, was, um, uh, I think it was Elton John. It was Elton John. And Elton sang his song. And then and he, and he said, would Tim ever sing with me, Tiny, Tiny Dancer? Oh, my gosh. I remember Tim said, I want to do it. And he did it. But he was a wreck. A total wreck. Just nervous, nervous. He went out and Elton, nailed it. Tim did. He nailed it. And they put it out as a single. <laughs> For real. It was one of Tim's singles. That's amazing. Yeah. But those kind of things are just the things. That's what fires me up. Because, like, who when could stuff, even dream that up? Yeah, you can't. You Some things you can, they just happen, or other things you can just try and make them happen, but they still never do. And uh, But when they do, they're magic. It is it's like it's magic. magic. It's like magic happens. And you'll never see that again. Mm-mm. It's like you cannot you know, recreate it. I remember we did, we did this thing um, called All for the Hall. We do All for the Hall L.A., All for the Hall New York. So this one year, it was. It's always Emmy Lou Harris, Vince Gill. It's, awesome. it's a it's a singer songwriter thing. We had Taylor Swift, Lionel Richie, wow. and Chris Christopherson. Dang. Now, Taylor was on fire, sang her Tim McGraw song and everything. Well, Lionel sings one of his you know career anthems, <laughs> and I remember little Chris Christopherson sitting over there and going, you know, I wrote this song, and. This little girl, Janis Joplin, sang it. But it was, you know, I used to call my manager. He never talked to me. So I kept talking all the time to his assistant, his secretary. And her name was Bobby McGee. And he started singing Me and Bobby McGee. That's how he wrote the song. Because he was talking to the secretary. secretary. Yeah, his manager wouldn't talk to him. So Bobby McGee was his manager's secretary. And I'm telling you. Does Bobby McGee know? She has to know. She knows. But to this day... I mean, I'm telling you, if you walked up to Lionel or Taylor and say, what was, what was an event in your life? They'll say, 
Chris Christopherson singing Bobby McGee because you know he's old and he's got sort of onset onset of Alzheimer's and you know and everything. But it's just kind of it was such a, an emotional moment that night for these major stars. Dang, you and know? it's a, yeah they didn't because you don't know all the backstories. No, you don't know, and it was just you know we just did the one last year, and that had uh, Carrie Underwood. Brad Paisley, Emmylou Harris, uh, Vince, and Paul Simon. And when Paul Simon starts singing, everybody just dropped their guitars and went, oh, my God, how, yeah. how do we even do this? You, you know? don't. You just <laughs> you know, and just, and just, I mean, those kind of things to me are, that's why I do this every day. Well, I'll take shit all day long to get those moments. Because people don't get those moments. I agree with you. Like, you don't want an ordinary life. You no. never want it. How did you know you didn't want an ordinary life? Like, you just aren't made for it. You're an extraordinary soul. I grew up in a little town. I had 11 kids in my graduating class. 11 kids. And all I want to do is get out of that town. (laughs) Get out. Out. I wanted to get out. And a big thing to me was having some place I lived in my life that would have something open all night long. Could be a Perkins, a Waffle House. I didn't care. It had to have something on the action. So then I just, like I said, I just kept signing and signing and signing people, you know. And it just, it's kept going through all these years. It's been a very good life. It has been. It's been a wild ride. With that same thing, that's why I travel over the holidays, yeah, and go to all these crazy places. I've never been these places. So you want to like? Is your goal like Rod Essig mission statement for life? Do it all, be it all, see it all, big. Yes. You and have fun at it. But you want to experience everything. Yes, I want it all. So what are the coolest things you've experienced? Well, I had a last year in November. I've always wanted to land. In an F-18 on an aircraft carrier. Okay. And so I do a lot of work with the with the USO. Because you've gone to I'm Afghanistan. You convinced me that Iraq was going to be safe <laughs> going over there, that it was not scary at all, and then we were getting but see, mortared. now we're sitting here. It's great. And it was a great experience, wasn't it? Yeah, and you told me. It was me, a great experience. It was. I'm so grateful I did it. It was the mm-hmm. most amazing experience. Meanwhile, though, you're telling me you had just gotten back from Afghanistan. Right. Where a bomb dropped right by mm-hmm. y'all's it tank did. that you were in. It did. And you're like, but don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's, a, it's fine. You're, and you're fine too, aren't you? You didn't hurt totally you. Totally fine. You're fearless, though. Yeah. So you're anyway, so I got to land on an aircraft carrier in November. Yeah. And it stayed there all day long, shot guns off the aircraft carrier, and the next day take off, cat, uh, catapult off in an F-18 and go back. And those are, I I had that wish for probably 12 years. And you did it. How and was it? it? Finally, was beyond incredible. It was beyond. Yeah. And some people say, "Why'd you do it?" I've, gone, I've always wanted it. That's. I don't. I don't want to skydive. It's not my thing. Okay. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. You know, but I do want to go to Africa and have an African safari, which is. Have you done that yet? No, that'll be next year. So you just got back from India. Yeah. And how was that? Uh, chaos, chaos, chaos. <laughs> I loved it. I'm glad I did it. I won't go back and do it again. And the Taj Mahal. Incredible, incredible. Just crowded. Crowded, crowded, crowded. I mean, it's like I said, it's chaos at its best, and I just, I'm glad. Again, I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. But it's not my thing. I'd much rather go to Spain or, you know, or do go to Italy or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to. We went to, um, one year we went to Tahiti. That was great. And then we went to uh, Thailand, Cambodia, and oh, Vietnam. dying back. to go to Thailand. And Thailand was just amazing. Is it amazing? It's amazing. And Cambodia, Angkor Wat was a highlight, too. But we've done that with, with our kids, and hopefully they, they have great memories, you know. Where, where are your top places you've traveled? Thailand. Yep. Uh, Spain. Oh, I love Spain. I lived in Spain. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I love Spain. Spain's I love, amazing. I'm going to go back to Spain. Where in Spain uh, would you want to go? Uh, I'll go back to Bar- uh, Barcelona. 
awesome. I loved it with all the Gaudi stuff and everything. I loved it. The people were great. Yeah. You know, I liked Italy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like France. You didn't like France? No. Why not? I thought the people were snooty. So really? I'm not, I'm not, wasn't, the, the people in, in Italy were so nice, but I just France. wasn't, yeah, I wasn't into it. Okay. So, I mean, I loved the Louvre and all that kind of stuff. And Monte, Monte Carlo was incredible, but it's just, I, I just think the people were a little obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to get rid of that one. You can't say that. Yeah. I have French people. That, of course, I don't have any French acts. So yeah, okay, that's great. Celine Dion, you should get her. I'd love to have Celine oh, Dion. Oh, I love Celine I Dion. Love Celine, Celine Dion. Dion, I love Again, Celine Dion and Michael a, Bolton. She's a great singer. The best in the world. See, I love singers. You do. You appreciate it. I you're, love singers. Because you are, you know what they call that? Spot it, got it. You are a great singer, Rod Essig. So you notice that in other people. It's a big deal to walk into a showcase and they get two songs. If they're off pitch for two songs, I'm out the door. I don't care about how good they look or what they... If you can't sing on pitch and you're a singer, don't go into the business. I don't care. Auto-tune's not going to save your ass. You know? I know. So, yeah. Why do you think so many people have addictions in this industry? I think it's just very difficult. It's 24-7. Mm -hmm. So take yourself. I mean, you do this a normal day. That you go. It's it's kind of crazy. You You spend... 20 hours waiting to perform 30 minutes. That's so interesting. And then you got to keep up and happy for the other three and a half hours until everybody leaves. And then you then you're so wired that you have to somehow try and slow down to get up at four in the morning to take a shower and be white. So then you go down and you go back up again. And then you get done with that in the morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Well, and do I really want to go to sleep again? I mean, it's just its just a really, really rough you life. You have to be on all the time. You've got to be on. You can never have an encounter with someone and, and they have a bad experience with you. And let me tell you, the in your world today, your world, our world, I'm still here. <laughs> You're still <laughs> definitely I, here. But, you know, the cameras are on everywhere. Every, like right here. They're, I mean, they're, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're any place. It used to be somebody do, would screw up. It would take three days for anybody to find out about it, you know. Yeah. Even during a war, it, it took 24 hours to 48 hours for that, that stuff to come back here. Everything's documented now. Now, anything in the world going on, and it's there. Even in your own bathroom, if you have somebody put a camera there. I yeah. Mean, that, it's, just, it's, just, it's not somewhat not fair that there's no place for you to get There's to no place out. to go. Right. Okay, so who, um, who, do you have any problem, Max? No. All of them are perfect? Mm, yeah. <laughs> for this interview, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorites that you just love to be around? Yeah, I love I I absolutely love to be I like to be around Tim McGraw. He's a great he's, guy. He's a re, he's and he got sober. He's, he's very intense. He runs but, four miles before he does a show mm -hmm. every show. Mm -hmm. That's he's in great shape. He's just you know what it is. He's a a guy that um, he's your partner, but he never leaves. Mm -hmm. He may get mad at you, but he he and but that is. He's questioning what you're doing, or he's done something, or whatever. But that's what I love about him because he's—he's. He's, I always say, if you go into an alleyway for a fight, Tim will be right next to you. He's there. He will not stay and watch you have the fight and see how you come out. Really? Yeah. And there's, loyal. and there's a bunch of people like that. You know what I mean? I've had you know a fun acts to be. Around. I love I love being around John and Martina. They're oh fun. yeah, McBride. Yeah, they're fun. Uh, Leanne is great, but she's she's like my daughter. So it's like she's been with me for so many years. It's like you know, and that's great. And yet when she opens her mouth, she's a 
incredible singer. She's the best. She just blows your socks off. Are Tim and Faith as perfect as they seem? Yeah, I think they really are. I think that they really are. Um, I think Faith is just, I'd love to walk into the house and she's got all these, well, she used to have all the, you know, all this yellow pages full of all their itineraries and what they're going to do, what the girls do this day and what they're doing, what they're doing. I mean, I think she's just incredible that way. She's a great decorator. She's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But they're both really nice people. That's the big, they're really nice people. Mm -hmm. They're not unhappy. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're good people. So. Speaking of great wives, you have a great wife. How did y'all meet? Because <laughs> she's a saint to be married. You're, you're an angel, but you're a wild man. Well, we've you got married, so much going on We've been on married all the time. 37 years. So What's it's kind the of secret? Crazy. Well, <laughs> way back when, again, I was a singer. Uh-huh. So you so, fell in love with your voice? Did so you swoon her? I was, so or I met her. I, my partner's son was getting married to her cousin, and I was the wedding singer. No way. Yeah. And I thought she had a great ass, so that's why I went after her. <laughs> <laughs> so she loved you before any of this happened? Yes. Before Playmate tour? Oh, no, 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 that's... Play, okay, you had no, some singles. I, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, so there was... I had a lot of Playmate time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good for all people yeah. to have some Playmate time. Yeah, so I had some time and everything like that. In fact, for the first couple of years... There was a number of people that would come up and say hi to us, and, and she didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, the past is the past. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have two amazing kids. Yes. They're both in this industry. They're both in the industry. In different facets. Mm -hmm. Yes. Your daughter, Alana, is super talented. She's a great singer, and she's being an actress and uh, doing Gorgeous. her thing. Yes, and doing her thing. And my son is so beyond what I can even understand. He's and, like a genius. Yes, in the gaming world of, you know, of game apps and uh, has his own company and it's kind of crazy and hopefully he'll sell it in a year or so now and we'll be fine okay so anything else i missed that you need to tell me that would be awesome for listeners to hear do we get to talk about some of our times in vegas and stuff oh vegas just, what want... happens in vegas rod <laughs> <laughs> that's a saying for a reason <laughs> i do love vegas yes you do we had some fun we had some fun there i know mm -hmm. we, I, we've had We've been to Vegas many times yes, together we have. now. Yes, we have. So it's been good. It's been fun. But I love the stuff. I love the direction you're going in now. It's great. You do? Mm -hmm. Do you support my hosting career? I totally do. Will you get all of your artists to tweet about this podcast? Yes, I will. You will? And also, I'll go book uh, a nice big fat date for your husband so, you can, so we pay for this. A Thousand Horses? <laughs> yes, that's one of your other favorite bands, isn't it? I love it. I think they're great. Michael's, think? Michael's great, but isn't I've known him sexy? a lot of years, too. Y'all both have that hair. Y'all both have you know? the sexy hair. <laughs> it, it's that flowing locks. That's what gets all the ladies. But his his is still black. Mine is way beyond black. No, his is. Y'all have the same color. Mm. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. I know, Rod, you're already married, so I, I mean, I had to marry Michael. I know, that's true. That's okay. I know. But I also remember when you left him. I know. We had quite a, we had a road, She'll didn't delete we? all this in you, so it won't matter. Oh, no, we can talk about it all. Yeah, Mike, we had, I like to call it our halftime show. Mm -hmm. Okay. All great acts have a halftime show, Rod. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to wrap up my podcast, I'm wanting everyone to have a little segment called Leave Your Light. Give me some inspiration that either has affected you or that you can affect on other people. I think the one thing, if everybody, if I could tell all the young people, if you have a, a passion, just stay with it. Tenacity is everything because it may be not be the right time right now, but it'll come around. Everything goes in circles. 
And so if you really have that passion, just stay true to it and don't change it because it'll all happen. It will. Mm-hmm. You promise? Well, I'm just, I'm, I mean, so many people change, change, change. If they just stayed this way and people got to know who they were for that, it, then it, it, it happens. That's it's just what to. it is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's not going to be always easy every day. It's never, nothing's ever easy. But, uh, you know, like I, I'm, I always say people, I'm, I'm one of the lucky people. I got to do my life what I want to do. I've always wanted to be an agent. I got to be an agent my whole life. So I, I'm very, I'm still happy. I still get excited about it every day. I mean, I have my ups and downs too, believe me. But most of them, I never dislike anybody. You don't. I get, I get frustrated with what they do. But I don't dislike anybody. So frustration is, is the biggest thing. And, and that's just because somebody did some dumb thing or somebody had announced something before they, they, told, they didn't tell you the truth. And, so you have grace for people. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I never, I never say never with anybody. I, I don't have anybody that I've ever left that's just no. I'm not going to see him again, talk to him again. Never. That's quite an accomplishment. I don't. Why? Right. It's too. It's negative. It takes too much energy to it be. Takes negative. too much energy to hate somebody. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay, Rod. Rod Essig, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is amazing. Oh shoot, none of it recorded. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, bye, Rod. Caroline. She's the queen of talking, hey, what's on your mind? She's on the inside, she got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. I hope you guys loved hearing all of the inside skinny from Rod Essig. That man knows everybody and knows everything about the entertainment industry. And it was so awesome to get to hear it from his own mouth. I hope that you loved it. And I hope that you feel more enlightened about what goes on behind the scenes. Next week, I have the Warren Brothers. And y'all, brace yourselves. I mean it. Like, get ready. Because these guys are wild. They are wild maniacs in the best way possible. They're two brothers. They had a big artist career. And then they morphed into just becoming hit songwriters. They wrote so many songs for Tim McGraw. If you're reading this, they wrote that song. They've written a ton of stuff for Martina McBride. They're actually also best friends with Tim McGraw and used to tour with him, and they tell some stories, and they are funny. And they had a show on CMT called Barely Famous. They're absolutely insane and so much fun, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear them next week. So do not forget to tune in and subscribe on iTunes to Hyper Caroline Hobby and leave comments. We'll see you next week. Bye.